You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Listen, I have a story to tell you about the master. This happened shortly after he called the four fishermen, Andrew and his brother, later called Peter, and James and John. They all went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he went to the synagogue to teach. And all were amazed, for he taught as one with authority, not like the scribes. When in the synagogue there came one with an unclean spirit, crying out, What have you to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have have you come to, to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked the spirit, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And suddenly... The man convulsed and fell, and with a great cry, the Spirit left him. All were amazed and said to each other, What is this new teaching? He commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And soon after that, his fame grew through the whole region of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have a lot of words that I think are cheapened by our everyday use. One of them is hero. How many times do we hear that? The one I've recently heard is the word perfect. When I deal with with people, usually on the telephone or whatever, making appointments, and they'll say, what is your name? And I'll say, John Conway. And they'll say, perfect. Uh, What was your date of birth? perfect. And what about the word love? How often do we use that? I love it. I love the way you've done the house. I love it when. And then there's the word miracle. How do you use that term? Well, it'd be a miracle if I passed that test. It was a miracle that the Bengals beat the Titans in the last four seconds last night. The miracle on ice when the American hockey team beat the Russians. But these words, miracles, they're important words. Scripture is full of miracles of what Brian McLaren in the book we're following calls impossible possibilities. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, we have the miracles of Abraham and Moses and Joshua, and Elijah, the miracles of walls falling and dead rising. And our gospel stories are full of miracles. Indeed, we come to expect Jesus to perform miracles, like in today's scripture. C.S. Lewis was a famous Christian writer in the early 20th century. You may have read his books or heard him in the Chronicles of Narnia was one of them. And he wrote a book called 
miracles, how God intervenes in nature and human affairs. And in it, he gives an exhaustive list of Jesus's miracles. He very analytical. He divides them into Old Testament type miracles and New Testament type miracles. The Old Testament ones under his analysis would be the healings, like we heard today, the exorcisms, the miracles of what he calls fertility, the feeding the thousands or turning water into wine, and the miracles over nature, such as walking on the water and calming storms. And then he talks about the New Testament miracles. C.S. Lewis talks about the incarnation, the resurrection, the ascension. Miracles that foretell the the new kingdom and the promise. He goes into these in grim detail for many pages. But however you want to describe these acts, they really don't help to tell us exactly what a miracle is. What is a miracle? And do I have to believe in miracles to be a Christian? How do we make or get or deserve a miracle? Is a miracle a test for us or is it a test for God? Is is a miracle how we describe Jesus? And, And what are these signs by Jesus meant to tell us about us or him or God? How do you respond when someone uses the word miracle? I remember a refrigerator magnet, maybe you've got it. It says, we don't believe in miracles in this house. We depend on them. Or do you have a blind faith that miracles happen in scripture, but can't happen today? Or are you one of those who looks for the rational explanation for a miracle? that the parting of the waters in, in, in by Moses was really a function of being in the right place at the right time when the wind blew the waters away, or the walls of Jericho falling because of an earthquake, or that Jesus was some sort of situational psychologist who, who could give therapy. Brian McLaren describes the miracles as being impossible possibilities, and I like that. He talks about those who find it easy to believe in miracles and those who are skeptical. Which which are you? Now, Brian McLaren posits a third alternative to see scriptural miracles as signs, and he describes it this way, quoting, we accept that miracle stories intentionally stand on the line between believable and dismissive. I don't quite agree with that. I don't see it as being on the line, as being like either or, or both believable and dismissible. I've come to understand from the gospels that miracles, miracles stand outside of both our human belief and our unbelief. There was a time when people believed in the mysterious when people believed that the world was a much bigger place than than what many of us believe today, that the world is made up of the visible and the invisible. And we've lost a sense of wonder with our modern age and our scientific methods. We need to find that sense of wonder again. 
because miracles are clearly important to our faith journey. And not just in our becoming familiar with the story of Jesus, but that's where we can begin. Each of our four Gospels has Jesus performing a miracle very early in his ministry and throughout his ministry. But there's something important that happens first. Two things. First, Jesus shows up. Second, Jesus teaches. He proclaims the good news first. Check it out. In Matthew, we have very short description of Matthew, uh, of Jesus beginning his ministry. And what Matthew says is, I'm quoting, Jesus goes throughout the region, teaching, proclaiming the good news and curing every sickness and disease. The teaching comes first. Mark in today's scripture, well, it starts with Jesus going to the synagogue on the Sabbath and teaching with authority, not like the scribes. The teaching comes first. Luke is almost verbatim exactly like what we have in Mark. Only John, with the story of the changing of water into wine at the marriage feast at Cana, casts the matter differently. He does have the sign, the miracle coming first. But it's a curious telling. What John says is Jesus did this, changing the water into the wine, first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory to his disciples and his disciples believed in him. And one way to read that is Jesus performed this, but really in a way that only his disciples got it. You can read this maybe as a private miracle. Yeah. Stewart, for one, is doesn't appear to be any the wiser when he brings this new wine into the guests. So we can take from, from all this that our gospel miracles are tied into rest with the good news. Back where we started. What's a miracle? Would we know one if we saw one? For example, how many miracles can you find in today's scripture reading? Go ahead. If you got a minute, put them into the chat room. How many miracles did you hear in today's scripture reading? I know you can use the chat room because I've seen the, the folks using it. Go ahead. How many? There are no right or wrong answers. But I come up with at least six. There's the incarnation. This is Jesus. We start with Jesus there. The second miracle is we have a scripture that gives us this story. That we have these writings that have come down to us that we can learn there's the miracle of a community that's together dedicated to studying scripture. That's the people meeting in the synagogue. We have a miracle of Jesus being recognized as a teacher 
and as the Holy One of God by an unclean spirit. We have the healing, an exorcism. And we have what those who are there describe as a new teaching. And that teaching, we don't hear it here in the scripture, but we can certainly read into it. That teaching is the gospel of the good news, the one he started with in Nazareth. Why are so many of us more willing to believe in fate or karma or in not jinxing ourselves or others than in miracles? Yet miracles are listed as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what he says there. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. A word of wisdom is given by the Spirit to one person, a word of knowledge to another, according to the same Spirit, faith to still another by the same Spirit, gifts of healing to another in the one Spirit, performance of miracles to another, prophecy to another, the ability to tell spirits apart to another, different kinds of tongues to another, and the interpretation of the tongues to another. All these things are produced by the one and the same spirit who gives what he wants to each person. Miracles from the spirit. And do you believe in prayer? Isn't the very act of praying an act that rests on a belief in a miracle? Tish Harrison, in her book, Prayer in the Night, describes prayer this way, quote, Prayer itself, she writes, dares us to interact with a world beyond the material realm, a world filled with more mysteries than we can talk about in her bank company. Mysteries, miracles. That's a pretty good description of miracles. It's what C.S. Lewis had in the subtitle of his book, How God Intervenes in Nature and Human Affairs. And if we're awake, we can see that miracle all around us every day. It's part and parcel, the natural result of the good news. And there's nothing supernatural about it. Today's work is a miracle. Maybe you heard about the miracle of a 10-year-old child, a little girl, who survived 18 hours in a blizzard in Russia by hugging a stray dog. Now, what was the miracle? How about that God created the nature of dogs and children to be together? She was, by all reports, playing with that stray dog before the blizzard hit. They were already together, and in their very natures, were with each other. Another miracle, a family's journey described with heartbreaking beauty in Jane Larson Whipp's A Fistful of Agates. It's her story as a mother of her family, her husband and two older children, being with their youngest child who dies at the age of eight after a long illness. And what ties these stories together? One of a child who lives, one of a child who dies, it's a miracle of life and our response to this life in a partnership with God. So back to the question, do you and I need to believe in miracles to be a Christian? The answer is yes. 
Because we, the living creatures of God, of a God who relentlessly is redemptive, we are miracles. Amen.